The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. great to see you online and it's fabulous to see you here in person we haven't i I haven't experienced uh such a such a gathering here in person there's a a couple of us that are here sit together in the mornings (laughs) like two or three so this is great it feels like we are coming back to our practice our physical the physicality of our practice which doesn't mean uh that you know when i was bowing at home and hitting my head on the coffee table. Uh, I was still sincerely practicing, complete practice. So I want to thank everybody for joining. I also am having some vision problems here. So it's just going to be one of those days. So this is the next to last day of Ango. So we have 90 days since uh, we began uh, up at Garrison, I think. uh, And some of you joined us at home at that time. Uh, And tomorrow we're gonna have a ceremony that will include people in person, uh, everyone online. It's a completely online Shusohosen ceremony that we'll be doing. Uh, And I just encourage you to go to, this page on the website and you will see where you can sign up for questions to to uh, ask a question of another sangha member it promises to be an enjoyable event yeah because i can't see (laughs) and i have all these lovely notes (laughs) Thank you so much. You you asked me about that earlier, and I said, "Oh no, I don't need that." <laughs> yeah, and maybe I'll just do this. Um, okay. So you may have noticed that for the last ninety days, we have been sitting a little bit longer, and we have been practicing a little more intensively. Uh, And hopefully we've been paying a little bit more attention to those aspects of our lives that we raised for ourselves at the beginning of our ongo. So I'm gonna pay a little bit more attention to this or to that. Uh, I will increase my practice by uh, another 10 minutes (laughs) a day or whatever your your ongo practice was. But tomorrow is going to be unique. It's going to be a unique event. I I don't miss it because we'll be talking about it for years. (laughs) Instead of having a traditional shuso, and that's someone who has taken up the the practice of koan study and has done that for several years. Uh, Those are the people that we we ask to serve as shuso or head, head student uh, for the Zendo. But instead of doing that this year, we have the entire Sangha is our Shuso, is our head student. And I think it's just really appropriate that we do that. Uh, 
So be sure and join us. It's going to be, uh, I think, a thrilling experience. So just like before, you know, in the old days, you have a, a, a senior student who sits up in front of the group and, and Sangha asks that, that person questions. This is the Kanga is asking itself questions. Uh, so uh, be sure, I have a note here, be sure to sign up because you will be uh, called in order, in the order that you've signed up. You'll, when you sign up, you'll notice a number by your name. And so if you're number 14, you know, you'll wait, you'll see who the person is before you, and then that'll be your time to speak. Um, you know, it just seems so appropriate to me that we doing this at the same time that our, our study text is the study of Layman Pang. The, the great lay leader uh, that is called up uh, in, in the Zen tradition. Um, you know, he was one of very few lay, lay Zen teachers that were known, written about, and, and remembered. That time, the, it was ordinary teachers. Hello. But uh, you were, oh, now I hear myself. This is one of those wonderfully technical days. You just say, I'm having a technical day. I wonder what Layman Pang would say. He would be like, you know, working on his baskets, and he'd have some very clever remark to make about this. Uh, but you know, the whole, uh, all that we have and about Zen practice has been, has been saved and uh, by the priests, by the ordained, not even priests, really monks, people who live together and, and that was their lifestyle. So because of that, we don't really have a lot of stories of the great lay people who actually supported all these. How do you think these monasteries managed? Who brought the food to them? Who helped them build the buildings? You know, I mean, the lay people were, the, the Sangha were, were, were always there, but when they were in their rooms writing about it and having the koan study, you, you'd think that they were all ordained people, but they weren't. And so it's wonderful to, uh, to appreciate the earthiness and reality of, of Lyman Peg. Um, and so he's come to symbolize that for all of us. And those of us in 21st century America, I mean, most of the Zen priests, uh, we're lay people, but we have ordained, we have taken a particular set of vows and, and we wear different robes, but we, then we go home and make dinner, you know, <laughs> and buy groceries uh, and vacuum. <laughs> it's on my list today. So uh, it's, we are all lay people. Uh, now, I'm, I'm sure you've absorbed some of the, uh, some of the teachings of Layman Pang. Um, unpretentious, direct, 
humorous, and lively. And so I, I thought, oh, I need to do some research. I, I'd like to find some different angle to talk about Pang on the last day of our, our study of Raymond Pang. Uh, and I, I ran across a curious line in an academic paper that I was reading. So it's, it read, Lehman Pang's Yulu, Yulu is its collected works. Lehman Pang's Yulu is one in which poetry constitutes by far the greatest portion of his work. Yet only 25 poems have been translated in Sasaki's version and none at all by Green. The fact that these poems were not insignificant to Chan monks is demonstrated by Da Wei Zhangguo, who repeatedly used Lehman Pang's points to illustrate his points in his letters to laypersons. So that, there's just this huge chunk of material that we haven't been exposed to. It's a nice surprise, isn't it? Uh, and with a little online research, I. Uh, uh, plus Sasaki's uh, versions, uh, I found some of Lehman's poems um, to share with you today. A warning though, it, you know, I was so excited because I love poetry. <laughs> I was so excited, a little warming. They are quite didactic. <laughs> yeah, rather than what we might call poetic. So no birds and flowers, <laughs> but a lot of hard practice. Uh, here's one that's translated by Stephen Mitchell. He's a fine poet. Uh, and the name of this one is uh, When the Mind is at Peace. When the mind is at peace, the world too is at peace. Nothing real, nothing absent, not holding on to reality, not getting stuck in the void. You are neither holy nor wise, just an ordinary person who has completed their work for the day. When the mind is at peace, the world too is at peace. Nothing real, nothing absent, not holding on to reality, not getting stuck in the void. You are neither holy nor wise, just an ordinary person who has completed their work. What's striking to me about this is uh, the recitation of, of opposites, uh, mind and world, real and absent, reality and void, holy and wise, all coming down, in, in, down to this ordinary person who has completed their work. So, it's like the layman is telling us uh, that the world can be at peace when we simply avoid grasping at one side or another. When we recognize our ideas about holiness, our ideas about wisdom, our ideas about where we're gonna get with our Zen practice, we let that go. They're just ideas. They're just notions, they're not, and they're, they're basically desires, which are inexhaustible. <laughs> uh, so we can come back to just completing our work, our work in this life. 
how marvelous it would be to simply appreciate that. Ah, where's my practice? It's right here. It's showing up, getting on the subway, going to work. So the trick is, what is our work? It may not be what we, how we respond immediately. Uh, for me, it's always been a deep and, and powerful question. What is my work? What is my work? If you keep remembering that the work in the, his verses always collapse down into an ordinary person. They don't build a monument to one's ideas, but they collapse down into the ordinariness of our lives. Just like pain, just like you and me. Pain leaves that for us to unravel. Personally, a good question to remember every day. What is my work in this life? What is it that I am to do? You know, I'm in my eighth decade now. <laughs> so this is a serious question. Uh, looking at the work I've done and considering what work is ahead. What is to be done to be of service at this time in these circumstances? What is the best thing? There's so many ways to embrace our work. Uh, and acknowledge our role in this life. A way that I've always thought of it is how can we serve? What do we serve now? The whole universe is before us. Everything is, is right here, right now. It's here, the whole universe. What do we serve? We can't serve the whole universe. We have to, you know, pick up this rake or this shovel or this pencil or this computer or this cell phone. What or whom do we serve? There's the earth that we're all so concerned about. The political and social situation in the world, all around the earth, in our own hometown. And then there's the intimate self, the mind and heart of each of us, always serving our own heart, our own mind. Hang reminds us of this when he writes in another poem, when the mind is at peace, the world too is at peace, nothing real, nothing absent, not holding on to reality, not getting stuck in the void. 
You are neither holy nor wise. Just an ordinary person who has completed their work. You know, we can get so caught up in the greatness of our service, how important it is. And, you know, that, that verse, which I've read a couple of times, is, is so important to us. I hope you can take it and sink into that wisdom, which is finally of benefit to not just ourselves, but to everyone when we connect in that way. So here's another poem uh, connected by a monk called, I mean, translated by a monk called Satya Bayu. I hope you all realize I can't really see my notes <laughs> today for whatever reason. I, I, we could talk to my optometrist about that who still hasn't gotten my new glasses. But um, so I, apologize for my presentation, but this poem is great, uh, translated by Satya Bahu. Uh, and the title is Not Willing to Let Go of Grasping and Rejecting. Not willing to let go of grasping and rejecting. In vain, you labor studying the spiritual path. You read the prescription, but you don't take the medicine. How can you be free from your sickness? Grasp emptiness, and it turns out to be form. Grasping form, it soon becomes impermanent. Form and emptiness, neither are my possessions. Sitting erect, I see my native home. I'll read it again. Not willing to let go of grasping and rejecting. In vain, you labor studying the spiritual path. You read the prescription, but you don't take the medicine. How can you be free from your sickness? Grasp emptiness, and it turns out to be form. Grasping form, it soon proves impermanent. Form and emptiness, neither are my possessions. Sitting erect, I see my native home. If I find this particular poem devastating. For me, I think of the many years of my life reading the prescription and not taking the medicine. I mean, years and years. I, I always loved uh, Zen poetry and I loved reading about Zen Buddhism. <laughs> and it made me feel very kind of holy. <laughs> and smart uh, somehow. Uh, and even when I began to sit, sitting zells in to what? Get somewhere else? To attain something? Reading the koans and sutras for wisdom outside of myself? What's the difference when we sit and allow the study to arise from our own heart and mind? You read the prescription, but you don't take the medicine. Well, that's such a beautiful description of zazen, yes, indeed. 
Dogen. To study the way is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be enlightened by the 10,000 things. I must have read that 10,000 times. Was I really studying the way? Studying the self is to forget the self and to be enlightened, to see the self in everything, in everything in the self. How often I, I read the prescription but failed to take the medicine. Huh? So consider in your own life uh, the times when you're grasping uh, for the ungraspable, planning for the unknown, the hunger for the meal that's right in front of you. Layman says it this way, form and emptiness, neither are my possessions. Sitting erect, I see my native home. And we can finally acknowledge that to ourselves. This is my home. It's not over there. Then we have found a way the practice of our own life, moment to moment, as it changes and as it flows. So we gather, we gather together to allow each of us individually to find ourselves. Because otherwise we'd be on our cell phones. Yesterday I was sitting or the day before yesterday, I was sitting somewhere waiting for somebody. Somebody, I just watched the people going by. There was like no one who was not on their phone or holding it in their hands. And I know that, that you know this from everything, but whenever you see it, whenever it reminds you of, and how I too am one of those people. Uh, it might be good for us to go back to old Lehman Pang and his reminding us where the truth can be found in our own hearts and minds. So he takes everything that exists, our whole idea of oneness and emptiness, uh, what's real and what's not real and lets it all collapse down into that one thing that we hear over and over from him, ordinary person, just an ordinary person. But if you can take that in, it just can relieve you <laughs> so much stretching and grasping for something that's not even real. And then just, oh, oh, ordinary person, okay. <laughs> Try that. Here's one more poem. When the mind's left as it is, the spirit is naturally empty. 
without a need for medicine, ills disperse of themselves. When ills disperse, the jewel in the lotus appears. Don't worry over affairs, don't rush around. The wise seeing wealth and craving know them to be empty illusions. Food and clothes sustain body and life, but only for a while. I advise you to learn being as is. When it's time, I move my hermitage and go, and there's nothing left behind. Listen, when the mind's left as is, and just leave it alone. <laughs> Don't mess with it so much, huh? The spirit is naturally empty. Without a need for medicine, ills disperse of themselves. To me, that's like a description of shikantaza. That's what we do when we sit. Let it, and an ill thought arises and you just sit there, don't mess with it, it goes. Another thing comes. <laughs> when ills disperse, the jewel in the lotus appears. Of course, that's the image of insight. We, we begin to see what, who we are, our ordinary life. Don't worry over affairs, don't rush around. The wise, seeing wealth and craving, know them to be empty illusions. And how much of our suffering is around that craving, how much it is comparing, grasping, feeling lost, fearing loss, fearing gain. Food and clothes sustain body and life, but only for a while. And then this line, I advise you to learn being as is. Just sit, just experience yourself walking through a cold spring morning. Beautiful. I advise you to learn being as is. Don't leave anything behind. So those are my words for today, really. They, I, as I said, you know, I was so excited to find uh, a, a whole lot of his poems, but then I saw that they're all kind of like, you know, and that there's just like hundreds of them, but they're all, <laughs> they're all telling us how to be. Uh, and yet there is a wisdom there. It's just so plain and it's not our idea of, uh, of, of what, uh, in poem should be. Uh, it's more plain gruel, plain gruel. And yet that would sustain us if we were able to really listen, to really hear. It would sustain us. I encourage you to consider your ordinary mind. So I'll, I'll leave you with one of my poems for the end. Sitting Zazen online all over the world and in an alley downtown, dropping the certainties, opening the heart. We can offer this very life. Mm -hmm.